Welcome to an up- another episode of The Sword and the Spirit. This is where we look at the issues of the day, both in and out of the church, via teachings and interviews. My goal is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that he who has an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is season two and episode two, and today our guest will be Brianna Jones. She's an author of the book Love Back to Life, Black, Young, Christian, and Pregnant, and also she holds a master's degree in social work. And so without any further ado, we'll go into the interview. This is part of our Mars Hill project. We'll be doing interviews dealing with evangelism and some of the issues in the church that will help us to become more laser focused as well as better in terms of reaching out for Christ. And yes, I will be doing some messages as well. So without any further ado, let's go on and see if we can greet our guest. Hello. Hello. There you go. All right. Yes. Do I sound okay? Huh? Yes, you sound very good. Very good. Okay, nice great. And clear. Nice and clear. Amen. Oh, praise God. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. Yeah, so am I. So am I. Welcome to the Sword in the Spirit. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. This yeah. is like great. Yeah, thank you, for, thank you for coming. Yes, yes. So this is going to be very helpful. As you know, we're working on our Mars Hill project, and we're talking about uh, bringing Christ into the marketplace where people live. Right. And, you know, and people have, uh, we live in an imperfect world, a fallen world. Nobody's perfect. And we have to learn how to bring Christ and lift people up and, and give them hope. Uh, in the world in which we live in. And so uh, after reading your book, it's very good. And uh, this is, uh, for those of you who don't know, our guests, uh, I already did your introduction earlier. It's pre-recorded. Yes. But for, yes. for those of you who are just joining us, this is uh, Brianna Jones. And she is, um, she has a master's in social work. And she's also an author. So you're my first author that I've had on the show. Wow. She's written a book <laughs> called, uh, and the name of the book is called Love Back to Life, Young, yes. Christian, and Pregnant. Young, Black, and, Christian, and Pregnant. Yep. And, you know, I, I read it before, and I just reread it uh, this afternoon. And I guess sometimes when you reread things, you you pick up things that you didn't notice before. Yes. And what I like about this book is you have action items so that anybody who's reading this who may have gone through something similar to what you you're deal, you dealt with, they can actually have a, a, a blueprint yes. in, terms of, in terms of recovery. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so often in the church, you know, we don't, the Bible says you who are spiritual, if, if somebody's overtaken in the fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, but you also. And, um, a lot of times I was just talking with a friend of mine, you know, and the question, the joke between us is who, who, who can be saved? Because, you know, you go online and you read these articles, even about the great preachers. You know, one guy said Billy Graham was in hell because I guess towards the end of his life, he might have had some doubts about whether Christ was the only way to God or not, mm. which is not a crime. John the Baptist had doubts. He wasn't sure that was really Jesus either. So he had his moments. And it happens, you know, to the best of us. And then another guy said Martin Luther King Jr. was in hell because, you know, he didn't agree with the virgin birth or whatever. Mm. And so on and so forth. So after a while, it got to the point. Where, so the joke evolved into, well, then who's going to be saved then? Because right. 
we follow everybody. Every nobody does this life perfectly, you know, and does everything correctly. So, if that's the case, uh, I guess we're all doomed. So, <laughs> listen, that's that's how it is. Sometimes people just. I think that perfection, because mm-hmm. of society, mm-hmm. they put perfection in an untangible way. Yes, they, they put it in a place that is unreachable, and I believe that God wanted us to be perfect in him and meaning acknowledging the things that God wants you to do and perfect that because at the end of the day we all have sinned so there is no real perfection because we all have something that we need to work on and that is a part of you know bearing our cross and having those vulnerabilities and, and, and being able to just put your worst most uncomfortable things on that cross so that God can see that and then be able to work with you on that and I think that people don't want to acknowledge that that you have to be your cross like everyone has a cross to bear yes, no one yeah. can do everything perfect and God is not looking for perfection in that way Exactly. But what he exactly. is looking for is for mm-hmm. you to come to him in your most vulnerable state and say, Lord, I need you. Mm-hmm. And this is what I need. And this is what I'm doing to be better in this and to support mm-hmm. me in that. But to say like, oh, well, you know, because you have questions or because you don't understand something, then, you know, you're damned. That's not even what the Bible, that's not even what the Bible um, encourages for believers to to think and do to other believers. Exactly. And who knows everything anyway? So. Right. <laughs> right. None of us do. None of us. <laughs> but so, you know. are higher than ours. You know. Exactly. We, the things that he has, we cannot fathom. You know, like our brains cannot fathom the extent of who he is and what he really has going on behind the scenes. Like as much as we try, we will never get it. We will never know. We will never, until we get to glory, we will never know it all. And I think people are so uncomfortable with that, that they try to force it and they try to make sense of everything when it's not something that you and your natural mind can make sense of. Right, right, exactly. It has to be spiritually led. Exactly. Now, and it's interesting because, you know, if you have a holiness background, a holiness type church, mm-hmm. and, and I think one of the, one of the, I understand God calls for holiness. I get that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I call it a conundrum. On the one hand, we want to stand, we, the church wants to set a standard. I get that. But on the other hand, you, you, you need to you need to be able to allow people to be transparent too. Yes. As to where they're really at. And so a lot of people can be struggling and, and I, I I guarantee you there are people in church that are struggling with all kinds of stuff. I'm talking from the pulpit to the door. Absolutely. That are struggling. Absolutely. But, but you, you 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 dare not say it. Mm-hmm. You don't get them to testify and say you're struggling with XYZ mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you're shunned, you're gossiped about, then everything you do now is suspect. You know, uh, you know, so it's like so everybody just holds it inside and they just go on struggling with it. I did a uh, one of my earlier podcasts from the first season. I did a podcast on the sanctifying work of God through the church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in fact, you hit on it in your book when you talked about com- uh, community, because um, that's what the church is. The church is community. Yes. And, and God intended to sanctify us and perfect us. In the context of community, yeah. So we're supposed to butt heads. We're supposed to to have church fights. We're supposed to disagree with one another. These things are going to happen because that's how God iron sharpens iron. Yes, absolutely. You know, and 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 that's the sanctifying process. And so, what I have learned to do, and I tell people, I said, this is I call it the church survival kit. You know, especially for newcomers, I said, the, number one, lower your expectations. Yeah there's nobody in the church that I look at that I demand perfection from. So when I see their flaws and their faults, I'm good. Right. I wasn't expecting anything anyway. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And, and the, the second thing, the only thing I, the only thing 
only person that I push hard in terms of holiness and godliness, et cetera, is myself. Right. You know, and and even that has to have a balance. But you know, so I, I you know, so I'll say I'll try to beat my personal best, so to speak. It's like a like a track star. Right. And and a lot of coaches tell you you don't try to beat the next runner. What was your time the last time you ran the hundred meter? It was this. Then try and beat it. Right. So they they compete against themselves, and that's how they win races. Right. Because and I think that's, yeah, and I think that's so important because in the faith we, I know with me growing up, I have always looked up to my leaders. And right. We have never seen. I have never seen any of my leaders necessarily in a state of like. Um, total vulnerability and transparency, like just full out. This is mm-hmm. the struggle, and this is what's going on. It's always like it just falls upon us. <laughs> like once something right. happens, like it just falls on. It's like, oh, okay, well, let's just you know pray for them, and you know everyone's not perfect, but it's never a real conversation. And I think that is the problem coming coming into this new generation because mm-hmm. they from the door want transparency. Them from the door, like they want to see what mm-hmm. you're about and and don't want to just see you in your tie and suit and good and good shoes exactly so this generation i believe that god needs to be the center which god has been the center but it has been filtered through these traditions of church yes that yes. is becoming right. that is becoming a a that's crippling, honestly, the church. It's crippling the 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 doctrine is tr- crippling what God wants to do in the body of Christ because they're trying to continue traditions that is not even biblical. It's just comfortable. Yes. And yes. it does not it does not help new believers mm-hmm. know who Christ is and building the relationship. Everyone mm-hmm. is always so focused on appearance, focused on the look, focused on do you sound right, do you look right. And even though as time goes on, those things can be appropriate, right now, there needs mm-hmm. to be a heart, um, uh, mm-hmm. looking at the heart of the person mm-hmm. and asking them, who, who is God to you? What is your relationship with God? Because mm-hmm. holiness starts with knowing who God is. Correct. That's where it starts. It mm-hmm. doesn't start with putting on a long skirt or covering up your tattoos or even not even cursing if that was what you did. It's right. with learning who God is and who Christ is asking you to sacrifice yourself. Because really, you're sacrificing. When, you're, when, you, when you go into a relationship with God, you are letting mm-hmm. go of all the things that you used mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. So with mm-hmm. that being said, now it's like, okay, I am making a choice to no longer do these things because I choose Christ over that. Mm-hmm. And if you are not in the place to make that decision, that is not the minister or pastor's job to now um, deem them unworthy to serve. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yes, now yes. it's the opportunity of teaching the word of God, teaching mm-hmm. them why this is important, teaching them why this is a better choice. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, this is a choice. And God is very clear on that. Mm-hmm. And the people of God are so quick to be like, well, we demand this and we demand that. But God doesn't even do that to you. Exactly. God does not even demand you to do things. He will ask you, he will say, this is what I'm requiring of you, but you have to choose to do this. Mm-hmm. Many right. are called. Few are chosen. Yes. Yeah, You know, and people forget that. And this new generation is very spiritual now. So mm-hmm. it's like they'll blend things. And that is very dangerous. Yes. Because they're blending um, spirituality with God and, and all of these, like, you know, sage and, and, and mantras and things like that, that is mm-hmm. corrupting what God has put in the word of saying what is righteous and what is holy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They don't. We're not. We're not speaking on that anymore. Now it's a vibe, and now it's you know you're feeling, and it's just like no. But what does the Bible say? The Bible exactly. is the the Bible is the last say. Yeah, it's the standard. It's the standard, and because mm-hmm. we have lacked in teaching, mm-hmm. we have lacked in in the biblical knowledge of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. People are not reading to to understand and learn people are reading to just say that they read but not really (laughs) continuously digesting and studying and saying lord what does this mean for me what how can i relate this to my life Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's why with this book love back to life it is so dear to my heart because Mm -hmm. i had to take a hard look at myself and say what am i doing Mm -hmm. My relationship with God has always been a shadow of my parents. And even Mm -hmm. though I myself said, Lord, I want you in my life and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, everything Mm -hmm. up until the point of me leaving the household was always under the banner of my parents. So Mm -hmm. there was a covering of, there was a a cloud over my weaknesses Mm -hmm. that I didn't know that I had because I thought I was good. So okay. me going back into, you know, go, not necessarily going back, but going out into the world and like, you know, living my life and trying to figure things out, I'm realizing that I'm not as solid as I thought I was. I'm, I mm. wasn't, you know, moving the way I thought I would have moved being mm-hmm. so in, in church all my life. Mm-hmm. There was a mm-hmm. lot of things that I really had to take a hard look and say, Bree, this is mm-hmm. this is a weakness. This is an insecurity that is causing you to do all these other things. And these are strongholds that you need to be delivered from. Not just, you know, talk about, but like actual deliverance of purging. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, what has now rooted itself into your fight to the fibers of your being. And mm-hmm. and that is something that I think that a lot of um, church culture they mm-hmm. do not want to really dive into because that takes time. All right. And that's not a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And that is messing up, reevaluating, messing up, reevaluating. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a quick fix of a prayer. Because right. it took years for that thing to root inside of me. So mm-hmm. it may take years for it to be pulled out. Now, of course, I believe that God can definitely pull something out and it be totally done. Right. But I also believe in the thorn in the side mm-hmm. that keeps you in reality check of you need to get yourself together. Get you humble. Or this is right. This is humbling you because this mm-hmm. this thorn in my side ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, that helped me in my walk was um, I was reading the book of Hebrews 11, chapter 11, and, and the Hall of Faith. And, you know, you're going through all the names there. Abraham did this, this one did that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Samson popped up in there. And I sat to my, I remember sitting up to myself, really, Samson? The womanizer? How did he end yeah. up in here? <laughs> what? <laughs> he do- I'm like, no, he can't be in here. He he, and he, he played with the anointing. He was telling yeah. jokes and riddles. He was a clown. And I'm like, no, God, why is he in here? And then I, but then I started to, to re, I went back and I said, let me go over all these people again. And I realized every last one of them failed. Everybody who's reading Hebrews failed. And then I realized everybody in the Bible failed except for Jesus. Yeah. They all had their own failings. They had their moments of weakness or wherever they did something they shouldn't have done. Yeah. Then I realized to myself, I said, oh, my God. I said, we don't get it. You know, you, you said something that was profound a minute ago about your parents. And I, 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 do, I do this with my own children. And is that you're right. When you're home with your parents, because you're riding off of their strength. Mm-hmm. You don't realize it. They're actually, they're actually carrying you, but you don't realize they're carrying you. Right. Their strength, their spirituality is so overpowering that 
you almost think it's yours. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you don't know where your real levels are until you, you, they have to be moved off the scene. Then you find where your like water finds its own level. Then you find where your real levels are at. Absolutely. You say, okay, uh, so now the parents aren't there. And then you find out where your, your real levels are. So I, you know, even with my own kids, I expect their, them not to be living on the level that my Cynthia and I are on, mm-hmm. you know, so, and I'm watching them now and I see it in, in life. I saw when they leave home, their levels drop. Yeah. But I don't go into panic. I'm like, okay, that's natural. So now God has to take them on a journey, so to speak, to where they can now, they're going to have to work out their own salvation with fear and trouble. They're going to have to find that level mm-hmm. to find that place in God. You know, um, I watched it with, uh, with, 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 with your elder brother, with Terrence, you know, I watched him find his own levels, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to find yours. If you haven't found it already, you're going to find it. It's just a matter of time. People just have to be patient. Now in the process, you know, being parents, we want to, every parent wants their child to be perfect. That's just human nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're pulling your hair like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> why aren't they perfect? You know, why can't they do like what we do? You know, you don't see, your, you don't see your mother and I doing this. Why, you know, and, but then the Lord reminds you, like, let them find their own level. God, God, God is like, I've got them. Don't panic. I got them, you know, and um, I'm going to work this out now concerning your book while I'm while I'm thinking of it is how did you come up with the title? That, um, that title was from what I experienced. Okay. Yeah. That was my experience. I, I know in my mm-hmm. heart of hearts that God, through prayer, through just, you know, relate, finding new relationship and mm-hmm. the word of God and just really taking that time out to, to get back familiar that he loved me back to life. Because when I was back home, it was very, very difficult. Spiritually, it was very difficult. I, I literally was battling all the time with myself and with my with my faith in the sense of not feeling like I'm enough and not feeling like, you know, I'm deserving. When mm-hmm. I finally realized that Christ mm-hmm. died for me when I did not even know the, the I could not fathom the amount mm-hmm of sin I would be covered with you know mm-hmm. and he is the one that cleared that before I even understood the concept mm-hmm. so for mm-hmm. me to now know who he is and then try to put in my mind that I'm mm-hmm. undeserving when from the beginning I was undeserving but still he saved me mm-hmm. I needed to realize that the love was never to be received by anything, but it was just to give to me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. It was given okay. freely. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I was able to find new life and find mm-hmm. new purpose. And being a young a young woman, because I wasn't a teenager being pregnant, but because, mm-hmm. you know, I was still a young teen, a young young 20s it was just like oh my god she's a baby but really you know I was Mm -hmm. only 21 (laughs) but it's still you know it's a lot for a parent who like you said who has expectation of their children and this Mm -hmm. is even outside of the church Mm -hmm. when you have parents who just high who have high expectation of their children failing is not an option Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like being pregnant was the ultimate like failure. I probably could have dropped out of school 50 times and mm-hmm. it would not had um, equated to me getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So for right, me, right. it was just like, oh mm-hmm. my God, like this is the, the worst possible thing that could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, I just felt like complete trash. Like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Like, it's just never going to happen. I'm just going to die in a corner somewhere and just do my best just to live each day. You know, like that, that right. kind of feeling of just like nothing will ever be good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is not yeah. true at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. That's the lie of the enemy. That yeah. is the lie of the enemy. And that is, 
one of the chapters in my book of the battle of the mind of just mm-hmm. having those mm-hmm. conversations with yourself and understanding the power of your words understanding mm-hmm. that what you say breathes life so mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. are saying things that are, are breathing death you are you are covering yourself with that and you are mm-hmm. only going to see that because that is what you're speaking mm-hmm. so now that you realize that these thoughts, these things are not good, go to the word of God. Speak mm-hmm. those things that God has said you are. Mm-hmm. Speak those things that you know you are. I mm-hmm. am a child of God. I will make it through this. I am um, faithful. I will be faithful mm-hmm. to the things mm-hmm. of God. You know, having those declarations mm-hmm. to yourself, yeah. that was very, that was very um, big for me you know yeah. during that time of just speaking yeah. life into myself yeah unfortunately we live in a world with a lot of misogyny mm-hmm. even in the church it's misogyny and you know a guy can go out and do something like that and we just look at it like okay you know we just say oh you gotta go take care of the baby and that's the end of it but the stigma that's this the stance on a female is 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 crazy i mean even you read in the eighth in the eighth chapter of john they say, we caught this woman in the very act. Well, first of all, what were they doing there? How did you manage to catch her in the very act? So where were you in the closet? How did you right. see that? Right, how did you see that? Second of all, where was the man? They brought the woman to be stoned, but the guy was nowhere to be found. I'm like, well, she didn't do it by herself. Where is he at? Right. So that's what I mean by misogyny. And that continues even in the, in the, in the uh, to some extent, even in the church today. And I did one podcast. Uh, the last podcast I did was uh, my first guest. She was dealing with the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that came up in a discussion, and I guess it would con- continue to reoccur here, is we make some sins bigger than others. Absolutely. You know? And so if you're LGBTQ, then that's really bad. Um, in fact, I even brought up uh, one of the times I had went to um, back in the day, I went to when I was a lot younger in my twenties. I went to a Christian protest, sort of so-called, because you know, after all, we got to fight abortion, right? Mm-hmm. And I get there, and I was appalled at the at the people who said they love God. It was a sixteen-year-old girl. She's going to be no more than sixteen, pregnant. She's probably scared out of her wits. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know what to do. Can't go home. You know, she's probably trying to slip into this abortion clinic before her parents find out. You know, and she's and, and, and like you, know, you probably would understand that know, from an experiential level. She and then remember now, she's not saved. This girl's not a Christian, so mm-hmm. she's you can imagine the horrors going through her head. She has no God to rely on or nothing. Right. And they're calling her derogatory names, which I won't repeat here. But and these were Christians behaving like this. I was like. I thought we came here to show the love of God to people. Why are we calling this girl's name? She needs help. We need to minister to her. We're not calling right. the girl and right. call her murderer and, you know, the, the WH word and everything mm-hmm. else. You know, I was like, wow. So that was my first and last time. I said, okay, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this mess. <laughs> I said, right. not, if this is what we're going to do, I'm not, deal, I'm not dealing like that. That's not God. Right. And my point is that and it's the same thing with LGBTQ. She said she was out trying to reach them with the love of God. And while she's trying, she's at, she's at the gay parade, trying to bring the love of God to these individuals. And you got Christians showing up with signs saying God hates gays and all kinds of craziness. And, you know, and she said, and this is profound. I think you're going to like this. And she said that there, when it, she, said, she said to go out and witness in, in, a, in a gay bar, and to go into the church and talk about this particular subject, she said she had to do the same amount of spiritual warfare. She oh, said, but yeah. she said, but I, ironically, I got to do spiritual warfare in the church. She said, you know, I expect it at a gay bar, but why I got to do it here? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's the same thing, you know, being young and pregnant and single. And it's like you got to come back and almost do warfare in the church sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, because of, of, of the stigma that. The false stigma that people put on people, scarlet letter A and all kind of foolishness absolutely, that, and, and condemnation and not recognize. But my thing is this, sin is sin. Okay, mm-hmm. well, pregnancy, you can't not see it. I mean, it's there. Right. How many people are battling pornography? How many people mm-hmm. are battling lying? How many people are fornicating, but they just ain't got caught? Right. 
and and don't kid yourself. This stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. Even in the church, in the most in the, in the holiness church, it's going on on all levels, and sometimes in some cases, it's even in the pulpit. And Absolutely. and it's just that they didn't get caught, you know. And that's what I'm talking about transparency. So people in the church are wrestling with things. And for those who are listening, I'm not condoning sin, but I'm simply saying there are people wrestling with things. And we just need to be a little bit more compassionate and not taking some uh, uh, something that someone does and blowing it out of proportion. Right. And making like you said, it's the end. I know one one pastor told me, he said, if you fall just once, no more ministry. And I was like, really? So let's talk about Peter. Let's talk about the apostles. They all messed up. They all forsook they Jesus. All messed up. Peter, Peter started cussing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He started using profanity to prove that he didn't. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. Uh, Judas didn't believe him, and 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 the rest of them forsook him. Yeah, after they lied and said they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> uh, and then the greatest event in human history, the resurrection. Nobody was there. Nobody showed up. You know. So think about the, how disappointed Jesus was with these people. And then Judas betrayed him. Right. And yet. And, and, and I said, the greatest example of this is that on the night in which he was betrayed, with, with 100% knowledge of what these jokers were about to do, including Judas, Jesus washed their feet. Mm-hmm. And I said, why can't we learn from Jesus? Right. He knew what he was going to do. He knew there were screw-ups. He said, yeah, I know you guys are going <laughs> to, you know, by tomorrow morning, I won't see any of you guys. <laughs> I'm going to be up there dying by myself. Right. You guys are gonna punk out on me and my greatest when I need you the most, you're not gonna be there. After all I've done for you. Take Jesus healing, talk about Jesus healing the multitudes. He healed people who came to him. Mm-hmm. He, he fed them. And these are the same people that Jesus knew were gonna forsake him. In fact, Jesus said to the to the apostles, I've chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. Mm. Jesus loved on them, including the devil. Right. Now, if the tenth chapter of Matthew. Jesus sends out his apostles and he gives them power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And it, it names a list of the 12 apostles. Judas is on that list. Jesus tra- even transferred his power to Judas and said, go out now and do what I did. And so my point here is like what you're saying is that we can't look at people because they mess up and then say, that's it. Right. Because Jesus didn't say that's it. In fact, when he came back, he said, Go tell the, the disciples and Peter. I know Peter feels bad, but tell him, come on. And then Peter told him, and then God, God actually helped make him one of the leaders in the church. Uh, but he messed up. So if we go by our philosophy, Peter shouldn't have been reinstated. He should have been, Jesus should have beat him down some more like, oh, come on, man, you messed up. I can't put you in charge of nothing. <laughs> right, you know? and this is, and I think that that is such a great point because once again, going back to my book, before I knew I was pregnant, Mm-hmm. I ministered at okay. church. I mean, full blown speaking in tongues, laying hands. I remember. I remember all of this stuff, and mm-hmm. I had no clue I was pregnant. Mm. No clue. Wow. And I, when I, that was the first time in my entire life I felt the Holy Spirit literally burning on the inside of me. Like, you know how mm-hmm. they talk about, like, the burning and the fire and, like, the Holy yeah. Spirit? Like, that yeah. is what I felt that day. And okay. it was so strong. And I was just, like, thanking God and crying and so just, like, Lord, I think because I had, you know, decided that I was going to do these things no more and I was just going to be on the straight and narrow and God mm-hmm. did this. Mm-hmm. And then I found out I'm pregnant. Do you know what kind of mental? I was like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. How? What? Because you you are taught and you are conditioned to think that once something like that happens, you cannot do anything. Yes. You are sat down automatically. Mm-hmm. That is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. But God allowed me to see that that is not what he had. For me, yeah. that is not the desire of his heart for the people of God. Mm-mm. So it's just yeah. like that really brought me back. And I will also want to say this that I thank God for my leaders that mm-hmm. I spoke to because even in my book, I talk about speaking to leaders that, you know, mm-hmm. really were discipling me at, at that time. 
And I felt so um, inclined to really make sure that I told them my situation and I told them what was going on because I still understood the importance of covering. Mm-hmm. Despite mm-hmm. the shame or the fear or like not wanting to be um, shunned or whatever feelings I may have had at that time, mm-hmm. I wanted my leaders to know what was going on. Even mm-hmm. if they were upset with me, disappointed, you know, whatever they, I did not know how any of them were going to react, especially my bishop. I did not know what was going to mm-hmm. happen, but I mm-hmm. knew that I needed to tell them that I was pregnant mm-hmm. and that I was going to be going back home. And these are the transitions that I was having. Like mm-hmm. it was like literally like a burden on me. Every time I spoke to someone, like a little bit was lifted, a little bit was lifted, but mm-hmm. it was so needed because I feel like because of that, mm-hmm. I had a level of spiritual covering that I mm-hmm. would not have had if I did mm-hmm. not come to them with full transparency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that girls in the church do not understand that and do mm-hmm. not know the mm-hmm. power of prayer from your mm. leaders and the power of covering that happens when you tell people that are spiritually led, you know, not mm-hmm. these, you know, fly by night type of people that's in the church. I'm talking about the people that will pray down mm-hmm. heaven for you. Right. And that Grounded. have good intentions and knows the word of God and mm-hmm. knows what to do. Like those people, those are the people you tell. Mm-hmm. What it's going because yeah. they're going to pray you through those hard times. They're going to be praying for you when you cannot pray for yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like having that. I did not mm-hmm. get that negative. Um, I did not have that experience of feeling shunned by the church because Beautiful. of that. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times people automatically think church, pregnancy, shunned automatically like you're not getting anywhere in between love you know compassion mercy like you're automatically shut down yeah and that's not what happened Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i and i'm so thankful for that and i'm so thankful for my leaders who Mm -hmm. really loved on me and encouraged me and prayed for me you know because it could have went very different yeah, but I thank God that that is that was my that was my story when it came to yeah. my leaders. Now, now in the book you talked about FOLA. How yes. important, how important would you say having a FOLA is in t- in this oh, type of recovery? Oh gosh, um, and the I I think she was the glue that mm-hmm. really kept me balanced and that in those first few months because mm-hmm. she was able to really guide me in mm-hmm. the right direction of what I should do and just giving me confidence in my ability to make decisions for myself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a child because now it's not just me it's now me and a kid and I don't even think she knows how impactful she really was like I think she knows like oh, okay you know She's in the church. I want to help. But like, mm-hmm. she really did something on the inside of me that really helped me a lot to just mm-hmm. push and make sure that I had my ducks in a row and that I had a plan and that I was confident in mm-hmm. my abilities. Because even though you may have a plan, if you're not confident, you're always going to second guess yourself and then mm-hmm. you're not going to think you can do it and then you're not going to do it and then you're going to change the plan and that can become very toxic in your own mm-hmm. mind and your mental health and I think mental health is something that people also ignore with pregnant mm-hmm. women because right. be, especially with the hormones and the changes and the baby taking a lot of your nutrients your mental health is 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 almost shot if you're not in a mm-hmm. good environment Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is completely shot. You're not thinking clearly. Your emotions are all over the place. You're crying all the time. You're angry. You're frustrated. You you, mm-hmm. you know you go from zero to a hundred just off of someone dropping milk. Like it's just things that <laughs> happens. Wow. And you're just like, what is going on? But it's, mm-hmm. it's because 
one, you're not getting fed spiritually mm-hmm. because it definitely is a spiritual thing with having a child. And I think uh, that's a whole nother pot of beans, but it's, it's very spiritual. And then just having stability of, of the balance of reality and mm-hmm. then your own thought of, of, of what your, um, your mm-hmm. subconscious is doing. Mm-hmm. That is not really what's going on because um, I'll even tell a story of how me and my mom during this time, we were having very difficult time in communicating. Like it was like everything was triggering for me. Anything mm-hmm. she said, I was just automatically just like, you know, you just don't care. Or mm-hmm. it was always just something like in my mind where I just felt like she mm-hmm. wanted me to suffer. <laughs> you know, and that, <laughs> that was not necessarily her intentions, but right, she right. is someone that is very um critical and like she she wants to know what's going on, what's happening. Mm-hmm. I need to know, and that is to mm-hmm. to a fault. You know, it can be damaging mm-hmm. because for the person who's getting all of those questions and they don't have answers, they're feeling inadequate. Right, right. So for right. me, I was just feeling like I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do. I can't do. And that's not what she was trying to do at all. She was right. literally just trying to support me and mm-hmm. trying to figure out things. But in translation, it was I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Communication is important. It's amazing. I can be. I can mean one thing, but you. I can be saying something that I think is helpful to you. Mm-hmm. And you could be hearing something that's not helpful. Totally different. Yeah, and then I'm then I'm trying to like, why are they angry? And then wondering well, what what's wrong with him, you know? Right. <laughs> and right. and once the communication lines get garbled, and you know, then it, it, things tend to go south from there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I, I like what you said from zero to a hundred. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy. <laughs> Overdropping milk. I was like, whoa, really? <laughs> it is really, it's really like that. And it's not intentional. It's really not right. like you are not trying to do that. Yeah. But because you know you're just all over the place, it just happens that way where one moment you're zero, the next moment it's just like whatever that emotion is, it's like it's full blown. It's right, full right. blown. So, you know, and, wow. and as a young person who already mm. emotionally may not be there, you know, because if you're a teen having a baby, that is a whole nother level of emotions yeah. compared to someone that's 24, 25 having a baby or even 30 right, having right. a baby. Like, it's just different because you're in a different space. So that's right. why, you know, it's important to be able to have someone to talk to. It's important to have leaders who are spiritually mm-hmm. sensitive to where mm-hmm. you are and can pray for you in mm-hmm. those spaces because mm-hmm. you know I believe that the enemy definitely wants to you know put you in a position of doubt mm-hmm. where you're doubting God and you're doubting the people around you and you're doubting your leaders and you're doubting you know why are you even why am I even saved why do I even believe in this God why would he allow me to go through this why would he allow my parents to do this to me like all of these feelings that you're having when mm-hmm. at the end of the day you are not your sin right you are right. not your sin and you're allowing your sin to be the identifying factor of who you are and that is not mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. we already okay. knew that we were sinners we already knew that you know sin would be in the world so that's just mm-hmm. a part of life but that mm-hmm. does not identify you as well. That's all that you are because you are also beautifully and wonderfully made. You know, you are also right. um, a person that God made so that you can worship and serve, and that He designed for us to praise and worship. You know, like mm-hmm. that was what we are designed to do to be disciples of men and all of these other wonderful things that mm-hmm. we don't even think about. Mm-hmm. We don't think right. about any of that stuff. Or we're thinking about the bad and the and, and all the shame and all of that stuff, but we're not thinking about what God also promised us mm-hmm. of being fruitful and mm-hmm. having a hope for us in the future. Like none of those things are coming to our minds. Right. So we have to continuously be reminded of that. Yeah. Well, we're into our last twenty minutes here. So I just wanted to ask you a few questions. Yes. Um 
in the book, you talked about friends, change relationships. In other words, at some point, your friends seem to have just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's the thing I call group dynamics. You know, let's say there's like, like your family, for example. Your, there's your brother and your, and, and your siblings, your siblings and your parents. Yeah. That's five. But now if Terrence gets married and he brings his wife in, mm-hmm. that changes the group dynamic. Yeah. Even even the power base, everything shifts in the group. Mm-hmm. And then he has kids and every child you have changes the group dynamic. Yeah. And so in this case, you know, being pregnant, it changed your group dynamic because your friends disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for whatever reasons. I, I don't, I'm not going to judge him. I don't know what happened. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a twofold because right. in their disappearance, I also disappeared as well. And then there was also a distance thing, physical distance. Right, so right. I don't know the dynamic of what it would have been if I was closer to them. But mm-hmm. I think that um, one, because no one ever experienced this before, mm-hmm. there was no blueprint on how to help a pregnant friend. All right, or what right. to say to a, a pregnant friend that doesn't have, you know, mm-hmm. the the significant other as their support. And that yeah. that pregnant person is really looking for them to be that support and significant other, but they can't be that. That's not, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that is that was do that was able to be done. So for me, I believe that um even though relationships were lost and things were definitely you know mm-hmm. not in the best state at the mm-hmm. end of my pregnancy um mm-hmm. I believe that there's a reason for everything and I feel like they if I did not lose them I would have been looking to them for what I need to look for God for mm-hmm. and God will remove the very things that mm-hmm. you will idolize mm-hmm. and friendships are idolized a lot within the mm-hmm. community and mm-hmm. when you have to separate from your friends that is very traumatic it's very you know sad mm-hmm. and you know as a woman it's like you want to talk and you want to chat and you know just have all of this relationship but if mm-hmm. God is looking for your time and looking for you to have him in that space and you're you mm-hmm. and you're now idolizing your friends in that space he will mm-hmm. remove them and for me, that I believe that is what he did. Mm. And, you know, to this day, I love them all. And, you know, if I see them, you know, it's always love. But God, God knew what mm. I needed at that time. And I would not, I, I would want to change some things, but I'm mm. okay with the results because I know that I'm in a better place. And I know that God definitely did a work in me of just knowing who I am and being able to stand on my own two feet without the assistance of others, but just being with God is, you know, was very important and needed. Yeah. So at what age would you say you accepted Christ? I was about, I want to say 11 or 12. And okay. I remember, I remember I was at Soul Save the Station. It was a youth service and um, evangelist Rhea Henson was preaching mm-hmm. and no one was at the pulpit I remember no one being there and I was just on my knees and I was just saying Lord I want you in my life and I was just repeating that repeating that and I said I believe in you I know that you're on the cross for my sins and no one was like ushering me like nothing it was just me talking to God mm-hmm. and in that moment I completely was just like Lord I give my life to you and for mm-hmm. the next like three months, it was just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. fire was just brewing on the inside. And every every Sunday, like I feel like all the young people was like in a corner praying and you know, just like really mm-hmm. experiencing God. And I, I don't know if you remember that, but it was I like do. every every Sunday, it was like somebody <laughs> was going in the uproar and we were just yeah. crying and praying and crying. Now <laughs> The the reason I brought the reason I brought that up because I I got saved at ten for example, mm-hmm. and about every seven to ten years, your 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 views on life change. Then that's growth. You're supposed to change. You, if you if you're still looking at the world 
you know, at 24, the way you did at 10, something's wrong. Right, right. <laughs> You're not developing. Right. What happens is, in other words, who I am today is not going to be the same person I will be 10 years from now. I'm going to be somebody hopefully better. Right. You know, but I'll be a little bit different than I am right now. And what I tell people, I think that especially when you get saved at that age, because then, you know, I hear people say I had to get resaved. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? You, you right. saved. Uh, right. Here's my, point. here's my point. You got saved at, at 11. But the, the, the issues you're dealing with at 11, you're not dealing with at, at 21 is different. Yes. Like, I, you know, this is why I'm, I'm very leery of childhood, pre-child preachers. They're great and entertaining. But uh, I remember the, I was watching these two young kids. They were they must have been seven or eight years old. Very good preachers. The father taught them well how to preach. They were, they were excellent in terms of, of their communication skills. But they're, they're, instead of going to school, they're preaching about whoredoms to their teachers as they're going into the classroom and they're standing outside preaching. And I was like, he's preaching about whoredoms, but he hasn't reached puberty yet. So the ladies haven't started looking good to him just yet. So of course now he's out here rebuking the teacher and everything else and telling her she's not dressed appropriately. But mm. well, when he hits about 13, 14, that's going to change. And he's going to start struggling with his own, uh, his, his own feelings mm -hmm. and, and see how he talks about whoredoms at that point. But my point in being is that people change over a period of time. And as you're changing, your relationships around you are going to change. Yeah. My point is friends dropping off isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not anybody. It's not their fault. It's not your fault. It's just right. that they're growing. You're growing. Right. God is moving you in different directions. They haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. It's just my, my point. Some of this is just natural. Right. And it's supposed to happen and you, you grow, you mature and, you know, and hopefully people learn to move on, you know, but if I see them, we're still friends. I'm not, you know, I, they've got nothing against me. I got nothing against them. We hang out, we friend, we, we have dinner or whatever, mm -hmm. but, but we, you know, but that's all part of the change of life, you know, and, and now because you have a daughter, your, your relationships change because your priorities shift. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, you know, it's it's not just running out the door to go hang out with your girls. You, my daughter needs shoes. My daughter needs, you know, whatever. And so, a lot of those those priorities and things start to shift. So it's it that's so I said that to say it's not that's not a bad thing, right? Because something like that happens, right? Right. Uh, Ten more minutes. So one other question I wanted to do, I wanted to get at in terms of evangelism and and everything else is that. Um, With church kids, and I asked a, I asked a, a pastor who was a church kid himself, I said, why did, why did church kids get to a certain age and they start wiling? Mm -hmm. you know? And it's really not just church kids, it's kids, period. But for some reason, we, we act like church kids aren't normal kids, but they are. Right. <laughs> I, I, I use that term very loosely because mm -hmm. uh, that's what kids just do. Your parents teach you X, Y, Z, and then when they hit a certain age, they, they just start wiling for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. and um he said to me and i said to me i said because you, you've been in the church you, you you know your father was a pastor and all of that and he said something to me i thought was was the best answer i ever heard he said because we've seen what's behind the curtain so like the wizard of oz you know everybody's mm -hmm. afraid of the great and powerful oz so the so the the the, the, the pastor or the, or the or the preacher's kid you know Everybody else in the church looks up to them, but the kid is in the house. I see you. I see mom and dad every day as they really are. Y'all just see them in the pulpit, you know. Mm -hmm. We see we behind the curtain. We see exactly what's going on here, yeah. you know. Right. And so you see their strengths, their weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that was that was one of his reasonings for it. But the other thing I was thinking is, um, how much would you say of it is curiosity, like? You know, I've been in church my whole life, and now I'm out here on my own, and I'm curious. Like, you know, right. smoke. What is, it? what is smoking weed like? Let me, let me, let me see what that's like. Yeah, I, I and I think I spoke to this earlier about being from under the umbrella of your parent, and and yeah. now seeing your weaknesses. I think that church kids mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. invincible in a sense, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then realize how you know human they are 
and that right. no matter how much you speak in tongues and and shout, you're mm-hmm. still you are still touchable. Like you can still be affected by the world around you, mm-hmm. and it's really because we have been taught mm-hmm. um, this you know, the gospel in the sense of now you can do all things through Christ. Right, total victory so-called. And you have victory in all you do, but don't realize that I'm a preteen and I have feelings that I never had before. Mm -hmm. Now they're Mm -hmm. saying, oh, those feelings are for marriage. When, yes, they may be for marriage in terms of the act, but the feelings are still there. So how do you address yeah, that? So, so what do I do until then? You know, what am I right. supposed to do? What do I do until then? And I think that is the teaching that um, needs to be, you know, brought yeah. to the front because we are being taught just the victories and not the, the challenges mm-hmm. and the defeat. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, we we get taught the, the the like the um like with David and him, you know, mm-hmm. killing the, the 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 husband, the giant. yeah, you know, and all of that stuff. But it's very disconnected from life, and it's just like, but you know, uh, David was a man of God's own heart, and you know, and it's just like it, it's very, it's just kind of mold over, like it's not a real dive in of you know mm-hmm. why do you think this happened. And mm-hmm. what do you think his his mind was, or whatever, and lust and things like that? Like that's not talked about, and it should be. Yeah, it, it should be. And for this generation, those are the things that they want to know because they really like the ones that are like really looking for God. Like they want to know the truth. They mm-hmm. do not want to know this cookie cutter gospel. Like they want to know the raw of what this is and how I can be the best version mm-hmm. of myself in this faith. Yeah, yeah. And it's just and like, that is that is how mm-hmm. you keep, mm-hmm. you know, these young people. That's how you keep them. Yeah. Because yeah, you this- can get them through all that other stuff, but keeping them is the problem. Because then yeah. they just go off to the next thing and be like, well, that wasn't good. You know, they was yeah. lying to me the whole time. Yeah. There was a movie uh, I was watching. It was called Blockers. I don't know if you heard of it or not, but it's about these girls that are taking a pact to lose their virginity during the the, the, the senior prom. Yes, yes, I think American right past anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, the parents hear about it. So now the parents are trying to follow them around to make sure it, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So one of the girls, her father is John Santa. I know he's a big WWE guy. And he bursts in the door and pretty much beats, you know, tosses the guy across the room, <laughs> you know. And then the daughter's like freaking out, like, what are you, you know, what are you doing here? You know, why are you even following me? And she says something profound. She says, why does sex have to be evil? And I thought about it. I said, you know, something that's a gift from God, even in the church, it's taboo. We can't talk about that. So we just <laughs> people. Don't do it before marriage, and then we walk away. Right. You know, and the poor child said, okay, so I'm 14 now. I got, let's assume I'm going to get married, maybe say 25-ish or something. So in between then, what happens? What am I supposed to do with these feelings and these these emotions that are that are that are within me? And I know even in myself growing up, I used to, you know, I used to be at the altar asking God to take it away from me, and it didn't seem like he wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is, you know, when I, I, it, you weren't born doing drugs, so God will take that away from you. You weren't born smoking cigarettes, God will take that away from you. But your sex drive is something that you're born with. It's there. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's not going to take it away. So he teaches you to manage it, right. control it. Right. And that's what we don't teach. We don't teach people how to manage and how to, con- how to control and how to right. deal with it on a realistic level. Right. You know, and 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 in some churches, it's not even talked about right. at all. Is they just tell you, you know, be sanctified, you know, and that's it. And we're not going to have any. We're not going to have that discussion, right? And I think it's because that a lot of people who who decide, you know, to have that view have not been able to articulate properly how to do so. Yeah, yeah. And then you get out in the world and you're vulnerable and then loneliness kicks in. So you got to teach people how to deal with loneliness. Mm-hmm. 
you know, how to deal with these urges. And because there's a lot of other factors that come in. And then even like, like I was saying, even the curiosity factor. Yeah. And learning how to deal with all of that, um, I think is very important, um, you know, in, in dealing with young people. And the Holiness Church I came out of, the, it's kind of defunct right now, not the one I'm in now, but prior to, to Soul Saving. Um, they used to take us to the beach for carnival because they wanted to get us away from the debauchery of the carnival day parade. Mm. But on the beach, we're on the beach. I'm like, so how is this helping me? I'm 15 years old. This is not helping. Right. And because you got the tourists and, you know, you know, you know what goes on at the beach. So we're like, how's this helping? And so it was normal for a guy to talk to. And by the way, a man being attracted to a woman and vice versa is normal. Right. It's not, it's not wicked. Right. But they even made us feel that was wicked. Right. And so a guy went to talk to a girl, which was normal. It wasn't even me. It was some other guy. They freaked out. They drove, threw us in the van, drove us back to the church. And for two hours, I had we had to sit there and get lectured. And if it's one particular woman, I don't know why she singled me out. She kept screaming at me that all I needed was Jesus. And I'm looking at her, but you're married. So how that happened? Right. But okay. You know, all I need is Jesus, <laughs> you know, and and I think because in the holiness church, we take something that that's a gift from God and we, we don't teach people how to manage and how to handle it. And we just push it under the rug. And then when these things happen, by the way, a couple girls in the, in that in my youth group, by the time I went away to Bible college and came back, they were all pregnant. Wow. And in this case, because they had no support system. They just left the church because the church just shunned them and, and condemned them and, you know, considered them the antichrist. And that was the end of that. So they just left the church and never came back. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's that's some of the damage that's done. Right. You know, um, but hopefully, you know, we're learning. And um, through this book, by the way, where can you get this book? Yes. Yeah, so you can um, get the book at Brianna B R. I A N N A Layel L A E L dot com. Okay. You can go on my social media, and it's the same name, Brianna Layel, on all social media platforms. And follow me, like me. I'm always trying to um, post new things, and I'm going to be starting a series um, this fall um, called Love Back to Life series, where it's going to be different topics. So just pray for me with that, because that's yes, going to be some work. But um, I really just want there to finally be an open conversation about this because there mm-hmm. are so many girls and women that have gone through very traumatic experiences being in the church mm-hmm. and being pregnant. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that's not OK. That is mm-hmm. not what God called called us to be like and mm-hmm. do not want his people to do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I want girls to be encouraged and know that they can, they have a purpose and they have a plan and God still has, you know, a destiny. Mm -hmm. There is a destiny for you. Like you're not done yet. You have so much more to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what God is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely pacing myself and just really just being um, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what. He wants Mm -hmm. me to do. I believe that whoever is meant to have this book will have it. And I'm Mm -hmm. trusting God and opening the doors Mm -hmm. of whatever arena I need to be Mm -hmm. in in order to spread this book, you know, because a lot of times, you know, like, oh, bestseller and this and the third. And that's great. And I pray that one day I'll get there. But right now, mm-hmm. this is a ministry. This isn't necessarily like a business or like, you know, I'm trying to get a certain mm-hmm. quota, but this mm-hmm. is a ministry. And I believe that there's so many women and parents and leaders that need this kind of book for their young people who are struggling mm-hmm. with their sexuality, mm-hmm. struggling with um, just knowing who they are after pregnancy mm-hmm. or even at risk of being pregnant because of whatever their lifestyle is like. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and, and and that's very important. Uh, so this is this is great. I'm praying that that ministry develops. I recommend anybody get this book. It's awesome, and I love the fact that you've got questions. You've got 
you've got you laid out plans and and that yes. that, that are practical that are doable quantifiable yes. and, that, and that can actually help a lot of other young women right and we're going to bring christ into the marketplace this can be a powerful ministry amen um, to to women because again people need to know they need to have hope god's not going to discard you it's not the end of the age it's not the ultimate sin that God can't forgive and move on. You know, it's just another one of those things that Christ forgives and we just get it together and we move on. And so there is a, a rebound. And what I would say to you, Brianna, is hold your head high, square your shoulders and just, you know, just keep it moving. You know, you've got nothing to be ashamed of. Don't bow your head. Yes. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you've gone through, you, you're in the right relationship with God and just keep it moving. Yes, amen. And God bless you, and thank you for granting me this wonderful interview. I, we definitely got to have you come back. We didn't get to half of the stuff on questions I had on. Yes. Oh, my God. I would love but to come back again. Definitely have to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, God bless you. And maybe um, you can even co-host me one day, as a special guest co-host. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm here for it. I love it. Uh, I love it. I love talking. And, you know, yeah. you know, you was always my favorite, uh, one of my favorite preachers. At um at so it's always it's always a joy. Amen. Thank you. Well, that's good to know. So I have two fans, you and my mother. No, <laughs> <not> <laughs> All right. Be blessed. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this extended edition of the sword and the spirit dealing with the Mars Hill project bringing Christ to those who are in need thank you for listening and our next episode we'll be doing some teaching and then we'll get back to our interviews uh, of upcoming guests of missionaries and evangelists and to hopefully stir us up up the gifts of evangelism in the church which is what God has called us to do so thanks for listening I'm your host Donald Reimer keep me in prayer as I pray for you and let's get on with doing what God has called us to do God bless <laughs>